Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, bots and cons to Tech Talk, the officially unofficial Transformers TCG podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Scott of VectorSigma.info, and it sounds like it's Aaron Day, Scott. Every day around here is Aaron Day. <laughs> well, that's true, uh, especially since things suddenly, dis- Mother Nature decided that she remembered where... Well, maybe not that she remembered, but maybe she's just straight up excising the transition seasons, a.k.a. fall, because it went... I was going to f- say, she, Go ahead. she remembered it was January? I don't know. Yeah, it, it very much went from, you know, the dead heat of summer to January, like you said. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I, I mean, yesterday, I remember in the office, I look out, the, I was walking past the window, and I look outside, and it's snowing, and I'm like, okay, it's November, so that's not ridiculous, but... I was in shorts yesterday, literally the day yeah. before. <laughs> so, yep, uh, it's just one of those things. What are you going to do? That's life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, anybody who's watching this on YouTube, or if you're hanging out actually on Twitch, we're on a, a slightly different schedule this week for a variety of reasons. Uh, you're not going to have a whole lot of visuals, so I apologize in advance because the topics that we're focusing on really do focus on kind of. Either they're all over the place and it didn't make sense for visuals or they are singular and therefore didn't make sense for visuals or that many. So I apologize in advance, but we're uh, this one's very much a audio focus. And we're also going to try and see if we can keep them shorter than usual, even though we'll be splitting this one up regardless. Uh, the first thing that we want to talk about since we now... Ha- Obviously, have the official spoiler. We spent a number of weeks going in depth into all the different cards that came out with Siege Two. We've actually had the chance to get the cards in our hands, in sleeves, maybe play a few games. Uh, before we dive into actually talking about updates to existing, we'll call it old meta decks, Scott. Any initial thoughts, overarching things from the perspective of here's what you want to think about as you're bringing stuff forward. I think the biggest thing that I've determined is there are, I don't want to call it redundancy with a lot of what is out there. It's just that there, and I don't want to call it power creep, but it's probably somewhere in the middle of those two words. Okay. I don't really know the, the right <laughs> phrase, um, but multiple ways to do the same thing that you want to do. And we kind of talked about this um, in other ways. Like, I think when we kind of talked about like the secret actions last week, mm. we talked about the top actions and things like that. Like, there's just a lot of redundancy in what you're trying to do. And so the question boils down to that because, and a lot of it has to do because there's now four sets, but the other issue is because there's so many like just powerful cards and powerful effects that are in this specific set that seem to, I don't want to say they necessarily mirror what another card was trying to do, but the effect is a mirror of what, of what it's trying to do. So is there an example um, that just to clarify for people about what you're referring to? Um, you don't have to give me every one. example, but, like, what's an easy one? I mean, like, the easy one for me is, like, how much, like, for my decks is obviously, like, you know, what, what kind of direct damage am I going to run and, and like, you know... There are a few more options about that now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think part of it is also that it, it becomes difficult to really get an idea of how good some of the new cards are because if you ever want to find out the impact of a battle card, you obviously need to run it, know that some necessarily have to be run in multiples, and so... The question becomes is how do we know how efficient certain cards are if you're not i don't want to say quote guaranteed to draw one but if mm-hmm. your chances of actually drawing and having the opportunity to play one are actually um viable the big thing for me i guess is i'm finding myself limited on certain turns as to 
the decisions to make as to what action and what upgrade to actually play in a turn has become a difficult thing to do. So when I'm building decks, I'm like, yeah, obviously I need this many weapons and I need this many armors and this many utilities. But then, but then when you sit down and play, you're like, well, every time I draw X, I'm always going to want to play X. So therefore, like, do I really need this many Y, for example? If that, I, I, right. I, I can think of specifics, but I mean, like, that's basically what it comes down to. So are you saying that, that the decisions sense. for the plays are because of the power level density? So the power level has risen. There are more powerful things that you could possibly do, but you're still seeing shining stars in those positions as opposed to everything's equally powerful. It was an eight. Now they're all nine. So I don't know which one to play. It's not about not knowing which one to play. It's like I'd rather play any one of these geeks when they come into, come into play than, like, any one of these other things. And it's like, why am I even including these other things in my deck? Right. Oh, just just because if I don't, I'll miss an entire phase of the turn, if that makes any sense. I got you. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I follow what you're saying. I was just asking the question to try and clarify exactly yeah. where you're going with it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so we do actually have somebody in chat <laughs> saying that they li- huh. is Dan. He's listening to us. Four hours yesterday, so he's now doing it on his commute as well. Uh, Well, we appreciate you being out there, Dan. Um, So aside from the general stuff, let's dive into something more concrete. I I don't want to go over... I'm going to do it a little differently than we have in the past, where I'm not going to throw a deck list up and say, all right, well, which cards do you cut from this for which cards are you including? It's more general ideas, and I'm kind of lumping them by... Not quite by sphere, but we'll, we'll say it's that. So let's start out with some of the more aggressive options. And we saw these at Gen Con. We saw them throughout the EIQ season. Uh, Blaster and Bugs are clearly the ones that jump to people's minds probably. And then to a lesser extent, I guess the 55,000 Lionizer variants and other assorted three-wide orange decks. As a whole, do you think the, the aggressive spheres are good, bad, and different? going into siege two scott well i guess we should take them one at a time so oh yeah whichever i was throwing them out there you'd pick (laughs) yeah we'll start with the wide it's just easier to go you know i don't know out to in i guess sounds Um, good so i think i think the biggest thing for some of the wide decks so if you look at it from a character perspective um i've seen a lot of decks floating around for like um various patrols and i think that might be a decent way to look at those strategies because you want to take advantage of actually having that many characters and having the synergy that there is among them. So from a character perspective, I think there will be, I'm not necessarily saying that one is better than another, but there's the opportunity for, um, I guess technically for all the patrols to fit into this sphere. Um, although I think some are better than others, like specifically the, uh, the, the off-road patrol, the, the Autobot. Yeah, the, one, the one that gets bold. Yeah. I picture um, they're very much just the patrols as a whole are going to follow a similar pattern to when we saw combiners. Like It was obvious you had Aerial Bots, the blue combiner team for Autobots, and then I guess Stunticons were kind of supposed to be the blue combiner team for Decepticons. And mm-hmm. obviously one of those worked out a little bit better than the others. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I anticipate... To your point that we, I'm sure we'll see one manifest. It's just, if you, if we've talked about it before, trying to be the best in the sphere, only one of them mm-hmm. is probably going to rise to the top. So, yeah, I just think the ability to have to be 
it's not unique, but but to be a five wide versus a, a four wide adds a different dimension. Of course. To it. And when you have this lord ability, quote, lording over the rest of the team, um, <laughs> uh, and basically you're always going to have it because the character kid will always have stealth until you don't want it to, essentially. Exactly. Um, I mean, I guess you could burn it down technically, but... Um, I mean, we did say there's a lot of new burns, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, so, But that aside, I mean, like, I guess that's one way to look at it, because some of them I don't think can operate outside of basically just slamming aggro cards onto them and, and moving on with life, so I think that might be an opportunity for new ones there. In terms of actual cards, though, um, if we look at, like... Th- see, this is where I think the, the Blaster Insecticons are actually going to... Um, kind of start to diverge because I think that Insecticons actually gain more cards than a Blaster variant can simply because of yeah I would agree with that you know because of Combat Tribe or because of um, just unique abilities on the characters that interact better than they do in the, on the Blaster side yes um, so like you know I think Insecticons can run Javelin as a at worst certain characters like a white primary laser and they have two range up to two range characters if you want to run yeah, it may surprise you, know, you to learn that, but they or be surprising to people to learn that, but there are ranged characters on bugs. And I did consider offline trying to include Buzzsaw or something to Blaster, but it gets weird. So I agree with you there that there certain other decks are getting more tools. Yeah, and I also think that um, you know, Insecticons can take use of um like energy transfer is obviously very good on scrap mode. It's probably the best use of the card. Yeah, um, I could see that. In isolation. So there's that. And then they can probably take advantage of um, Kinetic Whip if you if you play the game out slightly differently to where... So when you're playing inside the concert, there can be certain turns where you're not actually flipping the character that you're going to attack with that turn. Right. This would just require you to do that, but like... It's it's a decent backup weapon that's white, so it can't really hurt you in your, you know, eighty something percent orange filled deck. Right. So, and they're always kind of looking for playable whites to try to put the damage over it. They were the they they were like the purest example of that whole thing we talked about last time, like a white trying to take you from a from a two to a three instead of a, you know, another way. So, right. I think they can probably take advantage of that with a plus one weapon that gives you both two because there's no downside to that mm-hmm. uh, with them. Um, and then outside of that, they also get the new kickback if you do want to veer a little bit into some of the dual pip cards. Yeah, it's, it gives you a few different options. I do like the, the whip idea, but it is, you had said, and this isn't really trying to, to, I guess, oppose the point, but it is something that, let's say that becomes the norm. I could very easily see somebody pick, had played Insecticons for a while, stopped for some reason, says, oh, there's an update, let me try this new list, and then they immediately come to the conclusion that it's terrible because it is such a subtle, simple change, like you said, changing the flip sequence, and people, it's just a common thing to rote memory of, or muscle memory of, this is how I do this thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, aside from the, the wider aggro decks, do you feel that, the three wide aggro decks are, I hesitate to call them mid range, but no, I mean, I, it, I, I don't know. I want a different moniker than four wide and three wide aggro, but 
I, I haven't come up with something clean and, and efficient to call it that. So three wide aggro stuff, three wide orange. Do you feel you're positive about it going into the Siege 2 meta? Do you think they got a lot of tools? Are there specific things that people should be looking out for? I think there's different ways to build it. Um, I mean, the, 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 the biggest one that probably stands out to me is tanks with the um, composite armor. Composite armor um, is showing up in a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, composite armor and a demolisher, as we've mentioned before, is just a grenade launcher. So, I mm -hmm. mean, like, turning your six drop into, like, I don't know, with the potential of, like, eight or nine damage is just some play, like, by playing an armor that he then has seven armor on defense is, like, pretty insane because he's clearly going to be, I mean, should survive a hit or something like that as long as the armor doesn't get destroyed. So. Yeah, barring um, a bashing shield, a seven defense demolisher is. I mean, even if you're an all-orange deck, which presumably you're going to be, you're pretty close. That's Seven's a big number to get over. Yeah, I mean, we've seen orange decks survive just by, you know, having a little bit of armor and then, you know, having to get picked off in other ways. But when you're, when you're starting out with a Seven, it's a lot more of a hill to climb. So Exactly. That's going to change a lot of combat decisions. And I, and I also like, you know, what I... How do I say? Like, I, I like Impactor. His stats don't actually like make him look all that impressive. But what I like about him is when you, if you play Hunker Down in an aggressive tank deck, you're still getting benefit out of a character that's already tapped, which is kind of hard to find in a lot of aggro decks when you, yes. when you, when they have a universal, I don't know what you want to call it, like universal flip effect. I don't know what else I would call it. I don't even know how many even like, like, I guess, uh, like Flame War does, like, I think. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, like in, start your, in, start, in start your engines for example like that's one of the strengths of the cars decks some of the mid-range cars decks is because or right. sorry you know three wide cars decks is like you know the bumblebee trust the lieutenant that you might have already attacked with you get an extra action out of even if he's not the guy you're going to untap right so what, what they thrive on is those flip abilities also triggering at the same time as also getting another attack well this impactor gives your team it's not huge but it's still bold one and you're getting an armor from the yard, which even in an aggro deck now we've just established can help you um, in all ways. And then you're also getting a bold one on top of it, and technically moving him into a, you know the the better sturdier position. Mode. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think both those cards really help that strategy a lot. Along with if there's, I mean, the stars happen to fit. If the Lord Megatron thing works out, he's just another cog in this wheel. But actually, like. I think is there's argument to be made that you could play both of those in any in a lot of different strategies just because of the synergy they seem to have together. I agree. the uh, The Megatron idea is something that I personally am latching onto. Them, <laughs> as I know you are, at least to some extent, on the lookout for finally a home for a Megatron, any Megatron yeah. <laughs> to yeah. try and play him. Uh, there is the potential there. I do appreciate in general that, as you said, the stats on Impactor, for example, are not mind-blowing but the potential for synergy to then you know if to make up numbers if he's a six your average guy is a seven we're not talking stars just arbitrary value assigned to them but with the synergy it pushes him to eight or nine i appreciate those sort of things because then it it rewards i mean obviously composite armor in a tank isn't exactly setting the world on fire as far as from a creativity standpoint but it does allow and provide for more interesting scenarios which is 
I won't get ahead of myself for a later conversation <laughs> for the the secondary mm. show, but um, I do like those sort of interactions more where it's your opponent and you both need to think about the game differently and constructing things differently while still remaining on the same general axis of the way the game operates, which sounds like a lot of buzzwords and a lot of nonsense, but like I said, we'll get into that later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm... I'm trying to. I'm always trying to find like synergy with the characters that are not just attack. Um, right. I mean, I guess that's why I tend not to gravitate towards a lot of aggro decks because I like to get value out of my characters in all phases of the game, and I think that there are some three wide aggro strategies that can push that with some of the newer characters here. Absolutely. And, I think there's a, I think there is a limit to the, the battle cards you can actually use in that strategy just because of the way things have worked out. Um, mm -hmm. I just don't think that there's a lot of aggro-based battle cards um, in the set. Uh, if there are, a lot of them might fall on the mercenary camp and things like that. That's been like a trend for the last few sets, really. I mean, yes, I'm not saying there have been no aggro cards, but they're, they're few and far between by comparison, I think. I'm working on something that I think blurs the lines of what these terms may mean. Um, I guess I'm. I guess you, you and I are both using the term right now to mean orange cards, but I don't know that that's necessarily always going to be the case. Right. Of course. So, so that being said, like I, I mean, there's only so many places we. I guess the most universal orange aggro card is the the bold two black orange one. I always forget what it's called. Uh, fight for position. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that seems to be the most the like the, the most obvious basic aggro card that you can fit into a lot of decks. Um I mean yeah, it's a but, almost supercharge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um with the right pip color. So I mean, you know. Yes. So, um I don't know how I don't know how much some of these three wide decks it's it's I don't know how much they can actually take advantage of energy transfer because I haven't actually tried it. Mhm. Mm um but I guess there's probably an argument to be made that energy transfer is, and this is going to sound weird, but it, it's almost like a ready for action because you're basically, but a defensive ready for action, like basically you're going to move yeah. the damage from a tapped character probably to an untapped character so that they can't kill the original tapped character with a second attack. Right. Because a lot of the three wide aggro cards are big enough to take an attack. Um, the only exception being, obviously, if there's a battle master involved and you want to put more damage on them, although you're not necessarily forcing the attack that way. And theoretically, like, they will probably just attack somebody else anyway, but, like, you could obviously put them, like, within a hovercraft range or, like, a, you know, direct damage range that's going to, quote, help them make that targeting decision easier. But, but I think, mm. like, certain examples of, like, a three-wide aggro, you would just put all the damage on the untapped character if you wanted to keep the original tapped character alive. I just haven't tried that, but I'm sure that's something that may hold weight. Yeah, depending uh, on the matchup, I could certainly see that changing it. It does, assuming it plays out in that fashion, it could influence some attack sequencing decisions where traditionally it's, I attack with my most important guy last to ensure that he has minimum damage on him. Yeah. Now it may be, yeah. okay, well, I send out the important guy earlier under the assumption that I'll energy transfer to get that free attack anyway sort of thing. Yeah, I think I think what that can allow you to do is actually change your attack strategy like on the fly, depending on whether or not you actually have the card in your hand. Yes. Um, Which again is a cool thing where it it 
tries to eliminate those wrote, dis, you know, scripted decisions. Right. Um, but I think a lot of these decks were very dominant at the beginning of Siege 1 meta, mm-hmm. uh, especially at Gen, at Gen Con. Um, I do think that they will still exist. I don't know how much they'll change. There are certain characters, I think, that, that are... You could you could choose to play in them that you weren't playing that you could play out of the set. Um, a couple that come to mind are like smoke screen, green light. Um, those are the two biggest ones. That, I mean, besides the tank ones that we've already mentioned, those are a couple other ones that they happen to be cars. I don't think it's necessarily just because they're cars that I'm leaning in that direction. I just think they're they're more aggro slanted, so mm-hmm. they fit into that strategy. Makes sense. Um, and then obviously some of the mercenaries that are that can fit with other characters, I would put in that same category as well. Right. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because I personally feel it's it's becoming a a steeper uphill battle because as you said, they were those sort of decks. Orange as a whole was very popular at the beginning of the season, and then started losing some ground as the season went on. That and we brought this up before that that is not uncommon just from a general card game metagame life cycle, but I think there are elements in Siege that also push it a little bit more than we may have seen with other sets or in other games with different sets. I agree. Um, so aside from aggro, and we can always come back to it, but let's move into some of the other. And again, they aren't quite mid. Let me ask you, Scott: Would you label the traditional cars as mid-range? Uh, I mean, if you want to call mid-range, like the the traditional TCG mid-range term is like a incremental advantage deck. So I guess you could probably put that in that category. Sure. I mean, it it's more in my head. I mean, I get where you're saying or the perspective you're coming from. For me, it's more like they don't really fit in the other. Two in a lot of scenarios, it's more malleable depending on what version you're playing and what you're playing against. But let's take cars or any other decks in that I'm not aggro, I'm not control bucket. Where do you stand on those? Do you expect that these are getting totally torn down to bare metal and rebuilt, or are they? It's a couple cards and they're ready to go in their top tier again. I mean, cars specifically have so many more options. I mean, besides we've already mentioned, like, Smokescreen, Greenlight, Nightbird, mm-hmm. um, Lockdown. I mean, by default, a lot of Transformers end up, they're a car. So yeah, they're yeah, going to get yeah. a lot of variety of, you can go in almost any direction with them. Yeah, so I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're leaning more towards the, the, the mid-range type where you have dual pips, um, and and usually just a, a splashing of the the blue for the for the very important cards that are probably blue for that specific reason. I mean, cards is clearly a deck that gets advantage by playing the kinetic cards. I mean, like I don't I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, that's flipping back and forth is what they want to be doing. So if right. you, I mean, they can easily get bold four on a turn with a kinetic whip. I mean, that shouldn't even be like a stretch at all. Um, especially a character like, like a lockdown that wants to actually attack in the alt mode as it is. Yeah. If there's no bounty to be had for, um, but there's other characters that are, that are similar, 
um, but they can easily flip back and forth and then get the bolt forward and things like that. So I think they're a deck that can you know heavily lean on that uh, that strategy. Whether or not they need the kinetic converter is to be seen. But I mean, it would be a good universal utility that like you could just play, like you can just draw some cards off it. So I expect it to show up every once in a while. So right, makes sense. But from uh, another perspective, it just okay. depends on whether or not they can fit in the other cards. Like, if they're ranged, they should play Javelins, so... Well, yes. I mean, <laughs> although off the top of my head, I mean, there are cars like Cliff Jumper is ranged in bot mode. Uh, is smoke 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 in both modes? In both modes, yeah. Oh, okay, because I was about to say a lot. I'm sure there's plenty that are half-ranged, but I wasn't sure of too many that were full-ranged like that. Um, my bird is, too. Yes, that has been notable because I've been trying to personally I've been trying to fit Nightbird into a lot of things to get those sweet, sweet Merc cards. Um, yep. But aside from cars, or well, let me ask you this about cars before we move on. It because I didn't really get into this too much when we were talking about the aggro stuff, and we could circle back to that now or later if you'd like. But do you feel that they are well positioned going in in these initial weeks? Like, are you expecting that? Cars is the hot new thing, or I guess any of the aggro stuff. I don't think it's any hot new thing. I mean, mm. the deck, the I mean, deck, the deck really is obviously old, but you know what much. I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think it's necessarily going to see any more play gravitate towards that strategy. I think there's there's maybe a character difference and like six to eight card difference that you could actually change the deck to make it a little more consistent i guess you would call it um and then if you really want to lean in, like if you really want to lean into certain characters like like i i think i think characters like green light and lockdown have to be build arounds even though they might not necessarily be the the i mean i guess lockdown is probably in a three wide deck the most expensive character i can't imagine you're running 11 and a four so um assumingly Green Light might not be the most expensive character in the deck, but like you have to build the deck around her. Yes. Um, you know, we talked about in the past, like the, some of the mid range mercenaries, like Nightbird, again, you're not building around them, but you still want to play those cards. So, like, you're now, you have a lot of cards built around your seven drop, for example. Yeah. Um, you know, Battlemasters would be similar arguments. Um, I guess we kind of didn't mention some of those newer battle masters, but um, you know they could fall into this three wide, four wide category as well. I just think they're obviously hurt by armaments if they're a weapon. So yeah, well, the, to be fair, the utility specifically sights, not so much turbo board, but uh, <laughs> sights at least fills a gap for some of these teams that maybe were ten nine. And it was five and a star before, or, you know, you yeah, just started fair. writing it up and then said, uh, maybe I need to just rework this because there's not a great six. I mean, we did yeah. talk extensively about Demolisher, but he's very much a a big beneficiary of the new cards. Whereas before, I can't imagine too many people were really excited about slamming down Demolisher when they built their team. I mean, he was basically just like a, uh, you were getting like, if you're playing an orange deck, for example, you were hoping to get like six attack out of your six drop, and that's still kind of hard to do. Like six was such an awkward spot before that, like, yes, um, you know, anything that helps that slot is going to help out. If there's if, there, if there's one character that helps an archetype 
way more. There's a sights type character that is kind of universal now that there's no more press the advantage. Like you know, like and you don't mind having obviously an off tribe character in your deck. I think like you know, I think you can definitely find a home for him there. It's yeah, cool. it's an e- easy thing to reach for at this stage. Yeah, um, and it and there's two six cost battle master other battle masters the weapons. Yes, although as you said, armaments obviously comes in, but hey, yeah. they they don't always have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or at least it, I you'd like to believe that it's probably going to feel like they always have it, but mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a different story. They're always going to have some way some way of dealing with that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so other than cars, is there anything else off the top of your head from the old meta? I mean, we had a lot of cars variants. I know you were focused on the the three wide ones that. Because I feel that a lot of the four wides fit into the wide aggro discussion that we already had, whether they are orange or blue. They kind of still are looking at, okay, I'm leveraging being wide to get more attacks as opposed to trying to turtle up. Um, Anything else that isn't a true aggro deck or control deck that you think is a big winner or a big loser as a result of Siege 2? Before we get into the pure control decks, or just in general? Uh, well, either one. I was going to say we'll talk about the control decks next, but um, if there was something that didn't fit those categories, feel free. I mean, I think the general optimist deck that I played at Gen Con gets to change its partners to um, to be more efficient. If you want to, if you're still of the mindset that, like, I mean, by the time by the time I reached the EIQ season, I had changed the lineup already away from Barrage, but now, like. I think you clearly get smoke screen. You can clearly try to work sites in there. I mean, there's a lot of different that you can go. I think General Optimus is probably one of the characters. General Optimus from Siege 1 is probably one of the characters that, as weird it is to say, is, has gained the most uh, from Siege 2. Mm-hmm. Be- because there seems to be a lot of strategies that want, again, this, this supporter character that is also doing work. He so, provides so many unique things that... It, yep. it, the between the I don't want to call it awkward, but different star cost eleven is not something that, you know, a lot of characters fit into in general, let alone ones that we see a lot. So it opens up more options. He like you said, he's simultaneously your main character, but also buffing the remainder of your team. He just provides so many different things that yeah, he cards that may have been and I don't want to say smokescreen of those ones would have been on the bubble. Maybe they would have been. It's hard to imagine the world where Optimus doesn't exist, but now it's okay. Well, yeah, just you got Optimus and it's these things are just so much more likely to activate. So I think just getting so many yeah. playable lower star characters helps him as well. Absolutely. Well, like you said, it, it, it's both variety and... Well, I guess it really boils down to variety. I was going to come up with a couple other things, but I think they're the same. Well, I mean, like, like I consider, I mean, honestly, like all four lords are playable on their own. Yeah. Um. So, so, so if you're leaning into any one of those strategies, whether it's like you know, Agar and I just want a a bold dude or whatever Tailwind is or whatever the boat is or. Mm-hmm. Um, or any of those other ones. Um, there's ways to just play them as as not centerpiece characters, but just a lot of them are helped by having bold and tough. So like they, if you have a nine drop you want to play, or an eight drop with a star or something like that you want to play, like it's yeah, pretty you just fill it out with the lord. Yeah, 
Not to mention, like like we said, there's more playable six drops as well. So I feel like every time we help. have this discussion, I want to get a Buddy Christ picture. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to all those Kevin Smith fans. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> um, so I think he I think he gains a lot from this set. Um, yeah. In depending on which way you want to slant the deck, um, whether it's the dual pip way that I played it at Gen Con or aggro ways that I've seen him played in the past or or control ways that I've seen him played in the past, which I think would probably fit into the more the the mid range way that I played it, but mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe mm-hmm. slanted more on one side or the other. Makes sense. Were there any other oddball decks that you can think of off the top of your head, either <laughs> from EIQ season or Gen Con or any of the other various events that have come up that you think are now players as a result of Siege 2 before we move into the control stuff? Probably not that, I mean, not that fits into, like, I mean, it, it's, they would, anything would still fit into one of these boxes. Mm. They may get helped by either new cards or banning a press the advantage or well, ban- I mean, that is the specter, and I didn't bring it up, I think you mentioned press a couple times, I didn't specifically call it out, but the world is significantly different and not just because of this set. There are, I mean, I loved general Megatron from siege one and obviously press was a big problem for any sort of deck words. I have a big Decepticon and your opponent just goes, well, I'll press him into oblivion. You just lose all of those things. I think are worth reinvestigating at the very least just to say, Hey, is it okay now to come out of hiding. Uh, maybe they're all still going to, and we talked about this when press was actually banned. Maybe they're all still just not good enough. You know, like they had other problems where they're still the second best blue deck, where they're the second best, whatever. And therefore they're, yes, they'll see more play, but they won't actually get a whole lot more limelight. But there's right. the potential that maybe something really was being suppressed by press and now is it's time to shine. The Megatron example jumps to mind just because I did play it briefly during Siege 1. I really was excited about the card in general because like we talked about earlier, I'm looking for excuses to play Megatrons. Uh, anything that – I guess while we're on the subject, are there any big Decepticons that you think as a result of press or Siege specifically are now – People should be, I mean, where it kind of segues into the uh, the next topic, so ignore that one. <laughs> uh, right. Um, older big, dis- no, I mean, there aren't that many of them. They're all Megatron. So, um, to be fair, you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I mean, obviously, Starscream Air Commander has more options now with, mm. with, um, Airstrike Patrol. Uh, so there's that aspect. Um, I guess he's the biggest I can think of offhand. I don't know that I'm trying to think who the other ones even are. Um, Nemesis Prime. It's it's time. It's time for demolishing Nemesis Prime. <laughs> big big dumb idiot. Yeah. yeah. Um, big uh, dumb guy who punches good. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, like the rest of them are kind of just like like I I don't think it's Wave One Megatron's time, for example. So I would um, probably agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they, I mean, I guess the other ones would be like Star the King or whatever. Oh, King Star Scream is a good point. Uh, I was going to jump to the uh, the Decepticon combiners. 
but they would be control decks in all likelihood. I mean, like right. other than Predaking, I guess, but that would just be a wide aggro deck. So like, right. I figured we had to kind of like, oh yeah, yeah. together. So that's fine. So we'll move on yeah. there since it, we're kind of segueing into it anyway. Control deck wise, I think the as the phrase goes, the the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room is Shockwave. Yeah. So we're we're never going to see any Shockwaves ever again, right, Scott? Like that card, that deck's dead. Clearly. <laughs> I mean, in case anybody out there couldn't detect the sarcasm, um, <laughs> go ahead. There's only like five playable secret actions. So I mean, yeah, I know. Five. It, it, what's funny is like that's not necessarily an exaggeration. <laughs> No, not at all. Yeah, um, you're just you're just really opening up the the, the secret actions is really open up the hand size strength that the deck has. Um, yes. which I think is actually. I, I mean, it's not just the only strength the deck has. So I mean, like, but I think it's arguably the biggest strength of the deck has, especially when you add more. I don't know. I, playable I, secret. I think mind twisting people <laughs> on turn two is a pretty good strength too. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're lumping that in with with hand advantage or a hand size advantage, but I guess that qualifies. But it's it's the things working in concert with one another. I mean, you can play extra cards off the top of your deck, and then so that way when when you because what the problem with hand destruction has always been in all games is like when you draw them and your opponents out of cards in hand, like like they're very powerful in the very very early game. But when your opponent has no cards in hand, they're obviously just I don't want they're not dead because like obviously his weapons are still weapons or mm-hmm. uh i mean like ufo still draws you a card or i don't even like that's those are pretty much the ways that you're, you're going about it um, right I, i'm not I'm not sonic scrambling so i mean uh, <laughs> uh very true so you don't have to lean in too much into it that's that's one of the, the advantages of it um but those cards because they're dead in the the mid to late game, his ability to play secret actions and Decepticon cards off the top comes into play more when there are more playable secret actions and Decepticon cards, and there are both in the set. Yep. Um, the big Decepticon card is the the armor. Um, I forget what it's called. Uh, terrifying. Presence, terrifying resilience. Like I'm looking at it right yeah. now on a pile of cards on yeah. my desk. <laughs> yes. Um, that's the big one for me, um, Decepticon card wise, and then like the secret actions we've talked about that at length um armaments um hidden fortifications hidden fortifications hijack swerve etc so like um there's just so many more playable uh secret actions especially and especially ones that like are very good out of the sideboard as well um so the ability to play like one of the main deck and a couple more on the board and things like that just really help that strategy a lot absolutely plus as you were describing earlier while we started out very orange focused in the previous meta, Shockwave kind of turned it around in the face of press. Now that press is out of the picture, I think it's a safe assumption a few people or a few additional people are going to sleeve up Shockwave. Yeah, and I, you know what? I don't actually think that the reason why Shockwave was popular at the end of the Siege 1 meta was because of the oh, the control deck figured out the cards they needed to do to play against the environment. I think mm. people just finally understood how to play against it in general and just wanted to... How do I say it? Like, the pressure of last metagame was at the beginning of the environment. Like, right. Gen Con was the pressure. So, like, 
if they didn't feel comfortable enough because of how the deck played out differently, they gravitated towards other strategies first that, that did well, and then were able to lean more in to the control deck later. My, myself included. I mean, I played Shockwave at you know a lot of EIQs as well, and it was the same thing for me. Um, I just didn't feel comfortable with it going into Gen Con 100% because I, and, and probably still could have played it. I mean, like, who knows? But, um, I mean, there were still people but, who did well with it at Gen Con. So, I mean, yeah. I, I don't think anybody doubted that there was something there. It was just a matter of, like you said, it, it's familiarizing yourself with the general strategy and what to expect. There, at the time, it's easy in hindsight to say, oh, yeah, Shockwave would have been fine. But at the time, it was still, we only, similar to now, we only have, so many days to prepare and it's entirely possible something can catch people unawares. Yeah. I, it's just, it's, well, I don't think it was the typical, like the control deck at the end of the meta was stronger because it knew what it needed to combat. Cause I just don't know that that always comes into play. Right. As strong in this game as it does in others. So. That's fair. Um, well, let's aside from shockwave, which clearly as you outlined, gets a whole set of Christmas presents from this set. And we already saw that it was performing well. We anticipate it's probably going to continue to do well. In general, do you think controls well positioned? Like, are you expecting a whole lot of, of blue things to it? Instead of a sea of orange, it'll be, I guess, the more appropriate sea of blue. <laughs> I mean, I always gravitate that way, so it's hard well, for me to say differently. Right. Um, but I mean, there's a there's a. But even you were playing stuff. something more orange slanted at Gen Con, so. <laughs> yeah, but. Twice, but yeah, um, when I you know I played Blaster as well, mm-hmm. um, I agree. But like, I because I don't think the I don't think the card pool was there unless you were playing Shockwave at at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't think generic blue deck. I don't think anyone's generic blue deck did all that well during the season. Like I just didn't see yeah. a lot of handheld blasters at outside of the outside of shockwave's hands right and usually not even there but um you know you there's just too many there's too many control-based cards in this set to ignore we went over a lot of them in our top battle cards of course especially from the secret action perspective with the inability to interact with them um effectively and to then effectively just give you interaction quote on your opponent's turn or at least the ability to what I call blank a lot of your opponent's turn without having to rely on something that your opponent can interact with, like, you know, an armor that's really good by making just bashing shoulders it away, for example, like it was during uh, wave one where, like, you could play a body armor and feel safe. Yeah. Like, obviously that went away with Riders of the Combiners and is potentially back again. So you can use your turn to blank a lot of your opponent's turn and that's where control decks want to live. Yep. Um, so I just think who you, who you choose to play your control deck with, and, you know, we've already talked about Shockwave at length, but, like, that's the starting point, just because that card obviously existed, um, in the past and only needs to be modified, but, I mean, you know, Battlefield Legend has still existed since moment one, um, you mentioned Megatron. Uh-oh, you're breaking up, Scott, hold on. <laughs> Scott! He's not going to hear me until it's... So we're going to have to listen to him warble for a little bit. Uh, When we last left our heroes, we were talking about how Shockwave was really the the 
the sole bastion, the the only representative of the blue team really is for from the previous meta leading into this. So all of the control tools really are going to have to create new archetypes or was there anything that you feel the, it like was a fringe blue deck that now is a thing? I mean, you play General Megatron. I didn't, so you'd have to tell me. I mean, I like General Megatron. Um, I honestly, there were a few predictions that I had going into spoiler season. One was that we were going, excuse me, to get a utility triple card, like one of the collection cards similar to Attack Drone or Extra Padding for the utility slot. And we didn't. So uh, that didn't happen. And as a result, it makes it a lot. And given the way the set is shaped out, I'm I'm sure if General Megatron becomes a thing, Sites is probably on the short list for partners. So maybe it wouldn't have worked out anyway. Um, It's still, I don't know. I like General Megatron. We talked about the power of Hunker Down when we were talking about all of the, the new tank tools. He's obviously a tank. The, the flips are powerful. It it performed well or finished ninth, I guess, at the uh, the UK event. It feels like there should be something there, but maybe there's not. I don't know. I, I like you, am struggling to come up with any other control variants that have really been standouts over the last season. I mean, it... I guess without getting too far into it, as far as new things go, any suggestions for anybody out there? <laughs> what was that? Sorry. Oh no! Is it happening again? <laughs> I, I, yeah, he's definitely getting messed up. I need the okay. I need the music from the episodes where it's like do 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 do, and then cut away. Um, I'm here. There we are. So. Um, I was saying that I don't think I I struggle to think of any control decks that are coming from the old meta, and it sounds like you agree, correct? Yeah, I mean, other than if Battlefield Legend just gains like additional one-up actions that you can play, I mean, clearly there's um, there's like Step Forward, there's the uh, the Star Card that like can keep him alive for an extra turn. Like, there's definitely mm-hmm. anytime there's like powerful one-up actions that like have very limited use i think you have to turn to mm. battle for legend as an option um i just don't know whether like it's the old build or a newer build or something like that that yeah. you would lead into because well, i think that his his stats aren't as good as they once were well yeah it's uh the health totals and health pools are definitely creeping up naturally dan is suggesting what about aerial bots um well yeah i was i was gonna say i hadn't gotten to them yet That's okay it. i was Sticking with the three wide to start with, but yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so, well, then tell us about aerial bots. Do you think they are now regaining the limelight? Because I, they were present at Gen Con. I know a number of people utilize them to top thirty-two. I don't know. It, it did it top eight. Okay. Top, yeah. well, I did. Where I was going to say is, I don't know how many tried it again in the top thirty-two. So, was that the only aerial bots? I'm trying to remember. I think he might have been the only one even in the top 32. I'm not positive, though. Mm-hmm. I think multiple were... aerial bots qualified, but yeah, that's where I was going with it. I don't know how many people actually took it to play on Saturday. 
and there was they were still decently popular at the beginning of the season as well for EIQs yeah um i mean they gained a decent amount of cards um yeah. i i mean eh, there were certain players that played a decent amount of the the, the black cards and those are better now um or at least more plentiful i guess you would say um yeah Although it's kind of hard to get them without a mercenary, and obviously you're not going to have a mercenary. Yes, um, that would be a little weird. So there's that aspect of it. Um, I think, I mean, they they can use Kinetic Converter pretty well while they're still the team. They, the, the Kinetic cards are good for them while they're the team, obviously not while they're... Um, yeah, a little bit less so when you're combined. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, they're a blue deck, so they get the secret actions which is probably what's most important um i just i mean i guess the question is so like what's their average health seven or eight nine maybe i don't even know like what their. i'd say somewhere like, around I, for, I forget yeah so the two big things for aerial bots has always been if no one expects them they're going to be good because the aoe um, damage effects aren't going to be in people's sideboards or main decks, and they're just going to thrive with those not seeing any play. Of course. Um, I also think they sort of represent they represent such a pole as being a wide control deck that it's almost the type of thing that if you don't specifically prepare a matchup for them, it can be hard to adapt to, on the fly. Yeah, because they because you just need such specific... They're not silver bullets, but, like, it's... It, it's. I mean, how good is Photon Bomb against other matches? It's just not very good, yet it's totally, like, game-changing against them. Absolutely. And, like, how many of them can you afford to play as a blank pip that, like, still damages your own team, like, etc.? Like, I mean, certain decks can still play it, but, I mean, it's not going to be as powerful, so there's a pure example of something... It's out there. I mean, they still suffer from hovercraft, which I see. I, I wouldn't say I see it in more decks. I, I put it in all my decks, so like it's hard to say. But um, <laughs> well, of course you see it more, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess the other detriment to them may just be that there's a there's a few very tall characters that cost a lot of stars, and they typically have issues with singular attacks. Now. If you put those partners again with smaller guys, that's where they're going to have the advantage because they have the advantage against the smaller attackers. Mm -hmm. um, and and having quote less attackers, which you almost can't do. Um, but I think I think the big thing for them is like I mean they can probably play the your entire team gets pierced two card. They can probably like they're definitely going to be able to play the secret actions. Um, I just don't I don't know. Dan would probably know better than me as to what the other ways to adjust it are, but I just think that, like, they're never going to disappear. I think the, the question just becomes, like, again, as we talked about with wide aggro decks, is there a patrol that can play the same strategy as them? I don't think they're as good because I just think the aerial bot... What I like, what I really like, what I started to really like about combiners as, the, as, the, as I started playing through the, the Rise of the Combiner meta is... The characters actually have such unique abilities that the turn sequence plays out to their strengths. If that makes sense. Yeah, I follow you. So, like, when I was playing Predacons, for example, like, you would try to build yourself up for a Razor Claw turn. And, like, you know, oh, well, if your dive bomb hit a card, you were 
well ahead when you got to that turn. Just examples. Right. Um, so, like, Aerobots can do the same thing. Like, oh, are you facing down, like, something that's fully suited up? Well, I'll get in with my air raid now with any black card, and he automatically, his ability automatically goes off. So he's yep. a much bigger threat. Um, any amount of black cards when you already have Alpha Bravo is already going to be a threat, especially if you can get him up a little bit in attack. So there's little things here or there that, like, the Pierce already helps the strategy. And if you're getting it through pips, as opposed to getting it through having to play things like Laser Cutlass, which I, while are decent in that deck, I just don't think are all that amazing overall. Yeah. I think, it, I think it's just a way of pushing the thousand paper cuts that the deck is known for strategy even better. And, and again, because naturally you're just going to be able to get to your target easier because you have more guys or you of course you know have the ability to play inferno breath and things like that i think it's going to be i think it's going to be a more it's still a powerful strategy i don't think it necessarily could get replaced by a patrol it's just different if a control control patrol exists yeah it's just different shades of a similar strategy so does it give you points versus x but then loses points versus y because obviously being the wider, smaller teams, like you said, photon bomb is still a problem. <laughs> yeah, and, I, I just think I just think other than skydive, all their characters are kind of unique in what they do. Mm-hmm. I guess other than Silverbolt, just tapping to do a damage, but I mean, like flipping to do a damage. But like, well, not many characters oh, yeah. have a flip that pings. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, there's just there continues to be a lot of play in sequencing and things like that that I think the deck is still strong at, and I think the incremental pierce that exists in the set can help them makes sense yeah uh dan's point out the the other obvious one javelin just adds on to oh, yeah, the uh, ever yeah the ever Sorry. increasing mountain of direct how could you forget about this scott come know. on what are, what is happening phone issues phone <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> threw him off he's <laughs> off his game um but in all seriousness the the ever mounting mountain of direct damage and burn that aerial bots can play does it it becomes a respectable thing as if it wasn't before <laughs> yeah so that definitely feeds into that That's yeah exactly cool. uh any other control decks i i saw dan brought up in check blue cars i was kind of lumping it into the wider aggro earlier uh because the build that came to mind was running i mean it's blue so you'd think it'd be control but it is trying to buff the individual case like it seems more combat focused it was just i have blue so i can hang on just long enough um as opposed to a control deck where you have a singular character or these characters are trying to take over the game over the long haul um right. is there anything else that you think was running blue pips that really gains anything out of this set i mean obviously we have all these tools but like is there a particular build not anything in particular that existed before, no. I just think like the the mm. the, the three wide or the, like the three wide or the two tall control archetypes gain obviously the same powerful abilities and upgrades that mm. the other decks do. Gotcha. So So yeah. I guess to to close up this particular piece, because we're gonna be leading into our, our second recording shortly, I Overall siege thoughts, I know you gave them in the beginning, but anything else that you've thought of that 
for old archetypes that are trying to make the transition into Siege 2 that either people should be on the lookout for, things that, you know, just got kneecapped or things that suddenly got put on a pedestal? I just think you need to start your metagame testing with these ideas. Um, like, especially, like, an updated Insecticon, updated Shockwave, like, things like that that are seem that have been around either forever or um, or just got a lot of new tools. Aerobots you can put in the same category. Um, I think instead of trying to reinvent the wheel with some of these, again, spheres, for lack of a better term, <laughs> f- from a... From a... How do I say it? Like, it's, it might not be the deck you want to play, but it's a deck you need to test against. Does that right. make sense? Like, you're, you're Gauntlet, I guess. Exactly. Um, so from a Gauntlet perspective, I think it's the safest thing you can probably do is start with some of these and, and go from there. Right. Um, if you just want something to test against, I think it's the safest thing you can do. Yeah, it, you're going to need to test against it regardless because there are going to be people that, for good reasons or bad, they're going to be playing the old stuff updated because they know it, they feel comfortable with it, maybe it's still a player, or they just decided that they don't like any of the new things. I don't know. There's there's a lot of other less optimal reasons to still be playing old lists. Um, so it's worth updating these things in some capacity to say, all right, well, it gives me a firm foundation because, of course, you're going to know more about those decks than the hypothetical new ones. Yeah, I think you actually bring up a point that we could talk about at length like the the player that updates the decks as opposed to the decks themselves that just get updated like some players just gravitate towards the strategies they like and try to just find ways of making them better so i know somebody that sounds like that he i heard he does a podcast <laughs> that he because he's putting our armed hovercraft and everything yes so <laughs> but it is a good anyway. point you're right because it, it and it's also i mean the advantage we have as a team and for those of you out there that are on teams or have been on teams and other games or whatever, you you have a community that that helps you just because a specific individual is gravitating for a reason. That's their play style. They they may see things that you might not, so it gives you that advantage when trying to update these. You don't have to necessarily do it in a vacuum. I mean, you've mentioned it before. Like just because the toys are shiny doesn't mean that the old ones are bad. Exactly. So, As I look at all I the think... toys on my desk, including very shiny <laughs> ones. Um, and there is one deck we did not mention. That what's that? It's squarely in your camp. Oh my god, if you if you say what I... Go ahead, say, I, I... Scott, don't listen. Is he going to say Metroplex? I think he's going to say Metroplex. What is it's it, Scott? squarely in your camp with Metroplex. Yeah, there it is! I knew he was going to say it. I don't know how that deck... Because I feel as though... Um, I mean, Joe did well at it with it at... Uh, at PAX last year, I feel as though Palmer has played it as much, if not more, than me. But suddenly, it's I own the deck. <laughs> I mean, in this, in our two-person conversation, it's yes. really you versus me. So okay, no, yes. It, 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 with that context, you are correct. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's I mean, a, it, it's a white-focused set, so I assume there's a lot of cards that are buying. There are definitely cards that could. I guess this falls into the the. Uh, the fringe Random stuff, stuff yeah, the, the <laughs> yeah. assorted things. Um, yeah, Metroplex, I think, gets tools, but it's always a matter of, again, it might be player preference. I know 
compared to other people, I tended to include more white pips before. If you <clears throat> squeeze the number of white pips just from a general math perspective, you you can only do so much with that deck. So it's very much directly comparing cards as opposed to, I mean, you're always doing that, but I guess if you consider it, I want my fifth copy of this effect. You can't always necessarily do that because some of those things just don't exist. And the pips are potentially more important in Metroplex for obvious reasons than, than other builds. But I don't think there's another deck out there that actually does that as well as that deck. Like, because you only does have what tap to down their team because that's probably the yeah. only deck. <laughs> no, I mean like that actually does that. It's the only deck. It's in my opinion that can can is literally just looking like you said for a hundred percent. This card is better than that card because yes, I have to maintain this pip ratio usually. So hey, um, you know, I might as well do that and like just try to find upgrades like yeah i mean there's 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 what the there's only one full effect in swerve but mm -hmm. it offers something unique there's the kinetic i mean kinetic whip is obviously really good with metroplex kinetic converter is good mm -hmm. so i mean i think there's more upgrades quote unquote like again for lack of a better term like yeah i would imagine a q reflexes is probably better than data pad so um, yeah, there, there's definitely things that can improve it. It's, I don't know, it's not, I was going to compare it to aerial bots where it's, I was going to, I was about to say if people prepare for it, then, you know, you might be up a creek anyway, but in this scenario, it's just kind of, I, I don't know if you really prepare for Metroplex so much as you just line up well against it, or they whiff. Um, right, right. It's definitely, yourself all the time. yeah, it's definitely something that, I mean, I'm surprised you don't like it more, Scott, because it's definitely a numbers game. But <laughs> it's, it's there's not a lot you can there's not a lot of play to it. Oh yeah, the the actual gameplay is very much a or very much set in stone. Right. So so well. So I know I know that was the end, but we did and we digressed. Didn't digress earlier, but I I, <laughs> I would felt remiss if we didn't mention it. Of course, we have to digress somewhat, and yeah. of course, it's Metroplex time. Always Metroplex yeah. time. Uh, but we're gonna close up shop here. Uh, we're gonna get another recording in after this. But for everyone out there, as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching, and please tune in next time for more tech talk. Dan here from VectorSigma.info. We wanted to take this moment to thank all of our patrons for believing in the service we're providing. If you're not yet a member of a Patreon, feel free to click on the link for other podcasts like this one or verse videos or any of the other great content that we provide on our YouTube channel. Thanks, guys.